Someday somebody's going to do a study of the correlation between how many seconds I say you have and how many I actually give you. That would be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, I'm, I'm asked to uh, announce uh, if anyone is volunteering for VBS who still needs to get a t-shirt, you should go to the Blue Room right after service. And also a reminder that uh, Pray Bless Jesus, P uh, Vacation Bible School is a great PBJ opportunity. So as you have a chance to engage with people that come in from outside our church and our community, friendly faces, smiles, and welcome our guest. Let's pray and then we'll get to our meditation for the day. Lord, we, we do pray that you would powerfully move in this week ahead and rescue and establish young lives in your gospel. We pray today that you'd meet us at our point of need. We think of uh, our friends, the Musas, and their family as they grieve the loss of Abraham. We pray that you would meet them, Lord, with your presence and your care and comfort. We pray for our nation once again as another eventful week of political drama has come to pass and the civil uh, and the, uh, the, the social fabric continues to seemingly unwind and fray, and we ask that you would have mercy to grant that our civil order would be protected and justice would be done where that is needed. Lord, grant us as a nation a leadership worthy of that word leadership. And today we pray your word would be alive in our hearts and that we would glorify you for your good work as well. We ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. We'll begin this morning uh, with Jeremiah chapter 1, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the exile of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go and all that I command you, you shall speak. If you were with us last week, you know that I have embarked, starting last week, uh, into uh, a story of God's work in my life, and I promise to continue it today on my 66th birthday. My present to myself is the opportunity to express via my personal story my gratitude to God for the spectacular grace in my life. We began that last Sunday and wove the story of my, my early years in with a brief look at Romans chapter 9, a chapter which God used quite powerfully in my life when I was 18 years old in order to make me a fervent student of the scriptures and a young man with a more God-centered view of the world. Well, today you will hear of God's calling into church ministry as we pick up the story in my one year at community college. This is all very relevant for our graduates to consider. First year, one year at community college I did in Ocala, newly engaged, I got newly engaged with a Presbyterian church plant led by this man, this man, 
We should have a slide. We don't have a slide? What's the next slide? Keep going. Do we not have any slides? Do we have any slides of Chris? We have Chris? Show us Chris. Oh, he's not appearing there. Okay. All right, we should have Jimmy Young up there. We showed him last week. You remember what he looked like, Jimmy Young? Go to, uh, go to Grace Evangelical Church, Germantown, Tennessee. You'll see his picture. Uh, in four days, uh, uh, we'll be, Beth and I will be spending time with him in, in Memphis, Tennessee, where uh, he's been ministering for many years. He's 73, continuing in his ministry as a pastor. He tells me he doesn't know how to retire. Maybe I'll give him some lessons, but uh, we'll see. What, uh, what did Jimmy do for me? And we'll get to Chris Gibson in, in, in a minute. Uh, well, he, he modeled for me a serious an intelligent and passionate Christian discipleship. And then he launched me into ministry. Jimmy was trying to build a church that began with five families from South Florida and was running probably around 50 people on a Sunday at that time. When he was led of God just nine months into that to take a few college students and mobilize us into a team to do youth ministry that was massively blessed of the Lord. So the leadership team Jimmy pulled together included my best friend. Now you go back to David. So he's up there. I don't see him back there. All right, so that's David. We met him last week uh, as, as well. Uh, and, uh, and then this man, Chris Gibson, whom you've already seen. So go to the Chris slide now. Okay, that is Chris and his wife, Debbie. Uh, Chris, uh, David went on to become a, a pastor in the Presbyterian Church in America. Chris, uh, I lost track of for a while and, and encountered him again once I came into the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Chris is the head of world outreach for our denomination. Uh, not world outreach, but the uh, East, Western or the European element of world outreach. So Jimmy... Took me and David and Chris, a couple of ladies, and he taught us theology, he taught us how to share our faith, and he began meetings in his living room with young people, uh, late junior high, high school age, mostly some college. Over the next few years, we saw a work of God that is worthy of the term revival. By the end of that first summer, the 15 or so became 40, and I had started teaching the scriptures. It was a thrilling thrilling time. But come fall, I was off to the University of Florida. See, we have, we have two students going off to the SEC this year. How about that? But I was off to the University of Florida to pursue a degree in broadcasting, journalism, something like that. I was working radio at the time. I had my eye on uh, Johnny Carson's job. I thought that looked like a sweet, sweet deal. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to say this, but as Bob was talking about uh, their beginning days at college, it reminded me of another story. And this, is, this fits in with everything else. The Sunday, my last Sunday, it, it, you know, my, my home was 35 miles, 40 minutes from college, so not a, not a long trip for me. But my last Sunday uh, at Grace Ocala before I went off to Gainesville to college, uh, Jimmy was away on vacation, and uh, we had a substitute preacher, and this guy's name was Sid. And uh, Sid was introduced as the director of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at the University of Florida. 
So I thought, well, this is interesting. I uh, got to meet Sid after church, and I asked him, so I'm starting at the University of Florida next week. What church would you recommend that I get connected with? And he recommended Community Evangelical Free Church. I thought it was a pretty odd name for a church, but uh, I took him up on that, and I... Again, you, look, you just look at the timing of God in, in these things, uh, the, the little things on which your life turns and God's direction through those. So substitute preacher says, go to this church. That's where Beth and I met. Uh, there were other good churches, but that was certainly one of them. Now, when Jeremiah was called by God to the ministry, he complained that he uh, wasn't much good at public speaking. That was not my story. I was young, but uh, my mother uh, had entered me into speech contest when I was 13 years of age. So I, I was in speech contest. It was horrible. Uh, and then I became student body president at my high school, so I was up in front of them a lot. As a 12th grader, I took a job as a disc jockey at our local radio station. And so God had moved in my life to prepare me well for life as a public communicator. And at age 18, I found my message. I didn't know exactly what that meant vocationally, but I soon decided that seminary was in my future. Studying philosophy would be a better preparation for seminary, and so that's what I shifted to. The decision to pursue seminary was, as these things go, rather easy for me. I still didn't know what I would be when I got out of seminary, but the next five years were sort of set. A couple of years at the University of Florida, three years off to seminary. After I made this decision, I went to tell my father about it, and you may recall he's an unbelieving man, and I said to him, Dad, there's something I want to talk to you about. That's all I said, and he looked at me and said, don't tell me you're going to be a preacher. And uh, I said, well, kind of, yeah. Uh, he had been soured on that, uh, partly by my brother's experience. My brother went into the ministry with a cult. They didn't pay him well, <laughs> and my dad was concerned about my financial well-being. He also wanted me to do well if this was my chosen field. He said, at least be better than that Graham guy I see on TV. No problem. <laughs> well, I had uh, two years uh, at the University of Florida in Gainesville, and wow, what a fantastic two years they were, how God worked in my life. Uh, you know, several people in our body have been invested in college ministry for many years, but it is certainly a critical time in the lives of young adults, and uh, as it was for me. There were three distinct things that the Lord instilled in me during those uh, years. One was a love for the people of God. Now, I'm, I'm naturally more of an achiever than a relater. I grew up with good friends, but they weren't what my life was all about. But as I got involved with a precious group of believers, first in Ocala and then in Gainesville, my heart melted, and I fell in love with the people of God, with the saints. I, I learned what being in a church meant, not just attending one, but being part of a family where there was unity of faith and of love. And I also learned what it meant to lay aside my pride in order to love people who didn't like elements of my very fallen personality. 
but oh, did I ever get love back. When I left Gainesville, some friends, including Beth, gave me an album of remembrances. They wrote little thoughts and poems and scripture passages and calligraphy and that kind of thing and put a picture on the front and gave it to me. And there was a verse that, uh, that was put on the front of that, and it was Psalm 16:3, which said, As for the saints who are in the earth... They are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. And for me, that was an excellent choice. Well, the second gift God gave me while in college was growth and discipline. I appreciated 1 Timothy 4, 7, which says, uh, uh, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And I was learning how important it was to steward my money, to steward my time. The Holy Spirit worked into me habits of daily Bible study and prayer, Bob. I did that. Daily Bible study and prayer. I developed exercise habits, eating habits, spending priorities that have together served to restrain the influence of my flesh over my will. And I discovered way back then the ministry of a guy operating out of uh, Ligonier, Pennsylvania, named R.C. Sproul. And uh, I would get five cassette tapes, listen to them, send them back, get five more. Wherever I drove, I was learning by means of those audio tapes. I wanted my life to count for eternity. I wanted uh, to make a difference in time and to please the Savior who had lavished upon me an indescribable love. I was, I was surely blown away by the grace of God and wanted to respond to that grace with a life of, of thanksgiving, but also daily discipline, detailed obedience to the will of God. Third thing which the Lord instilled in me in those days was a love for the church as the church. I was so excited about Grace Presbyterian Church Ocala. I saw what that group meant to my life and what it was beginning to do to advance the kingdom of God. When I left for college, I, I didn't think I'd find anything like that in uh, the college town, uh, but I did at Community Evangelical Free Church. And for the 18 months I lived there, uh, I was heavily engaged in that ministry and there developed uh, among other things, an appreciation for public worship and for expository teaching of the Word. And when I left for seminary, I was only 21, but I had experienced in two places a growing, dynamic church. And that's two more of such experiences than I found most of my fellow students had ever had. So I praise God for those churches where I got a vision for what the church could be and should be. So August 1978, I drove my Toyota Corolla to Jackson, Mississippi, where I studied hard, worked hard, and looked hard for a wife. I was looking for a wife. You know, I found out those Mississippi girls were real sweet, but they couldn't say my name with just one syllable. Dayan. No, it's not Dayan. It's just Dayan. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I only found that the girls I met paled in comparison with uh, a special young lady that I'd been in Bible study with my last year at Gainesville named Beth Proctor. And through the kindness, kind providence of God, I wound up spending Christmas that year uh, with her and her family in Bradenton. And from there, we courted mostly by mail until we were together that summer when we planned our wedding for November 1979. King Lemuel, Proverbs 31:10 says, an excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. 
And in this way as well, God has made me rich. So Beth moved with me to Jackson, Mississippi to complete my second year in seminary, then 15 months back in Ocala for an internship while she finished college. And there we saw God continue to prosper that youth ministry that I had helped begin. Kids were coming to Jesus right and left. We, we got to a point where we had 200 young people coming out on Thursday nights during the summer. Um, Many were called into the ministry. It was glorious. It was also an extremely instructive period of my life as I came to understand church and ministry in new ways. Uh, But I gladly returned (laughs) for my final year of seminary in Mississippi with my then pregnant wife. And later that year, we got to meet a boy named Andrew. Now, Seminary uh, seniors often think of, uh, about what's next for themselves when they get done. Uh, but I, and I assumed that when I got done with seminary, I would be entering into youth ministry. That's, I had a good resume for that. That's what I felt qualified for. I didn't think a lead pastor, it was, uh, I was ready, ready for that. But I did tell God, I think having a child had something to do with this. I told God that if there happened to be a pure young PCA, that was our denomination church out there that for some reason wanted me as pastor. I, I, I guess I was open to that. And I thought nothing of it. Uh, fat chance of that happening. I was 24. But it happened. And, and again, the providence of God, which is his directing of all things, brought me together with an unusual pulpit committee from Melbourne, Florida, to a church that seemed remarkably suited to who I was with elders that were very forgiving and patient, and I felt that God was challenging me and stretching me, but I knew that was where I and we were supposed to be. So in June of 1982, we moved back to Florida, this time to the East Coast, uh, and uh, to labor in God's church in Melbourne. Now, I have to praise God for his patient mercy with me as it has to do with this call to pastor in East Central Florida. So Bruce Lewis, we have a picture of Bruce. There he is. Okay, Bruce Lewis was the chairman of the search committee at Covenant Presbyterian Church. When I moved here 14 years ago, Bruce was living in Pittsburgh and participated in my installation service at North Park, which was very special for us and a crazy providence. Bruce was influential in Ethan and Vanessa Chin coming to faith as well. Uh, They continue to be dear friends. Now, I'm sorry. Understand God works in mysterious ways, uh, but he has been so, he has been so obviously involved in directing our lives. (laughs) It's just nonsense to suggest to me that his presence and engagement with my life is is not real. We we look back amazed. So, So Bruce had a friend named Tim, and Tim had moved from Melbourne to Ocala and was a part of our, my church there. And he was a part during that year that I was the youth pastor and an intern. And, uh, and, uh, and, he, and, and Bruce visited Tim on one of the two Sundays when I was preaching. And, uh, and he remembered me. I never applied for the position at Covenant. 
he called me up and asked me if I would talk to him about it. Uh, but when he first called me, I was at my mother's home over Christmas break. Uh, and uh, she came to me and said, there's a guy from a church in Melbourne that wants to talk to you. And I said, why are they calling me? I, I, I don't even know why now. But this stupid kid told him I was not interested in the job. Did he say bye and hang up, which is what I would have done? No. He asked if he could tell me more about the church. And 20 minutes later, I was thinking, wow, this, this could work. <laughs> and it did. For 24 years. So we had a glorious experience at Covenant Church. <laughs> As always, it's a mixed glory, but it was a glorious experience. Covenant moved from Melbourne to Palm Bay, the community just to the south. They're off of I-95 corridor. God has his people there in Central Florida as he does here. We were privileged to work among them for many, many years. When Beth and I arrived on the Space Coast, middle of the state, Atlantic side, Covenant had 35 members. The church, uh, the churches did not, the church did not grow rapidly. I, I felt like a terrible failure for my first couple of years there. We, you know, we added 10 people the first year and 15 people the next year. I tell people it grew 35% a year for 12 years. And that starts to pick up steam after a while, right? Uh, after six years of triple services in the 1990s, we had a daughter church, we had a Christian school, we had the largest homeschool group in the county. To our amazement and our wonder, the vision for the church campus, which the Lord had given us in 1984, he had a picture of that, I meant to put it on the screen today, but if you're at my house in my basement, which not many of you have been there, uh, we have that architect rendering from 1984, and, and we saw that thing accomplished piece by piece. The changes we saw were remarkable, and the experience of serving the Lord there was a pure delight. Now, this was the work in which we invested our lives, and God mercifully prospered it. Lots of people came to know the Lord. A dozen or more were called into ministry, and the treasure of relationships we still have there, as we do here, is beyond measure. For me, one surpassing gift of God during that season of life was family. Now, I'll say I was, you know, with the Musa family yesterday, and they have an extraordinary family. And I, I grew up with nothing approximating that. Uh, I didn't know my uncles, didn't know my aunts, didn't know my cousins, didn't know my, my grandparents. I was well younger than my, my siblings. So uh, family was not in my mind a, a really big deal. I didn't think much about being a dad. I'd never been around little kids <laughs> until I was a dad. But wow, uh, such a special gift. God gave us one son and then three daughters after that. Uh, and as in everything, the scriptures are remarkably honest and accurate about parenting. So, you know, Psalm 127 
gives the positive side. Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And what else does it say? In pain shall ye bring forth children. Beth and I shared in the parenting enterprise with a like-mindedness that we wanted to raise up fully devoted followers of Christ from the womb and disciple them easier said than done through the influence of some godly older couples like Bruce and Elena Lewis and the radio program of Focus on the Family uh, we, we decided to homeschool our kids, which gave our family loads of flexibility in our schedule, which worked, which worked great for me as a pastor. I could be with our kids on Friday and work on uh, weekends. I could be home some in the day and be out at meetings at night. Our children grew up with our church, and, and we are happy to say that they loved that church. As you may know, our son is a pastor, will be at his church next Lord's Day. His sister Sarah Beth and her family are now a part of his church in Carrollton, Georgia. Our other daughters are fully engaged with their church today. Our grandson in East Pittsburgh is uh, being uh, fathered by a pastor in Wilkinsburg. we, We never felt any competition, really, between church and and family. It was all sort of one piece to us, and we were so blessed by the many who poured into the lives of our children. Parents, you don't leave the discipleship of your kids up to your church. You make the Word of God, you make prayer and praise a central aspect of your home life, starting with your marriage. But a major element of discipling your children is to have them in the Lord's house and with his people. Our adult children have seen up close and personal how flawed the church and its leaders are. But we thank God that they experience real Christian community and they want that for their children, our grandchildren as well. They love the Lord and his bride as have we. Now, I mentioned the pain element of parenting. (laughs) Whatever you say about the process when undertaken with faith, parenting is a sanctifying process, for the parents at least. Uh, usually a stressful one. You've heard me talk about our daughter Sarah Beth's leukemia when she was four years of age, three years of intense chemotherapy. Most parents of kids that get cancer, there ends their marriage. The stresses of that take a toll, but God had placed so many supports around us and within us that we got through it just fine. There were the wonder years in there uh, when, you know, the kids are out of diapers and not yet teenagers. (laughs) But then before we knew it, we had a house full of teenagers, and boy, was that a challenge. Each of our kids in their own unique way stressed our emotions, stressed our marriage, Parenting teens with a spouse who did not always agree with me about how to parent those teens was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. If you're in that place today, God bless you. Cling to Jesus and keep going. Make connection with the Lord. Make connection with your spouse, your priority in that season of life. So for me, coming out of the parenting teen years, I I was probably burnt out in a way. Our marriage was not in a great place. Church life had become somewhat discouraging because our growing church had plateaued. 
Factions within the church took issue with my leadership. I know you can't imagine that, but it did happen. And it was in 2006 that I became convinced that the Lord was calling me to lay down my position at Covenant, which for me, frankly, felt like death. And it led to a difficult emotional season in which Beth and I learned a great deal about ourselves, about the Lord. Due to the generosity of the saints there, we had time to... I didn't have to run off and get another job right away. We had time to work on our, our marriage. We had time to spend before the Lord understanding what was needed to endure the stresses of life and ministry. And after months of asking God for new direction in our lives, we eventually decided that pastoral ministry was still the right place for us. The passion the Lord had given us as a, for the church as, as young people was still there. And, and after more than two years of waiting on the Lord, He graciously opened up to us the opportunity to join you here in the North Hills of Pittsburgh. Our good father went way beyond what we should have needed to make sure we knew that he was leading us here, for which we're so very thankful. Most of you have heard that story, so I won't repeat it today, but we are delighted to be Pittsburghers and thrilled to be. By the way, did you notice the black and gold up here on the stage today? And I wore a black shirt just to fit in. Yeah. Uh, we're thrilled to be at North Park Church for the last 14 years and the next seven months. I find myself to be one of those um, unusually blessed individuals who has been able to do vocationally precisely what I desired and what is the passion of my heart. I honestly can say I know of nothing I would rather be doing than pastoring in the Lord's church. I can relate to the exclamation of Paul in Ephesians 3 and verse 8. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. So the Lord has been so gracious and gentle with me. It's an incredible privilege to be a child of God, to be called as a teacher in his church, as an elder in his church, to be the husband of a magnificent woman. I feel so deeply those words of David in Psalm, not Psalm, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 18, where it says he, he went in and he sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? Who am I? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? Who am I? It is by grace we are saved. It is by grace we are preserved as I have been for these 66 years of walking under his mercy. Two more thoughts and I'll be done. Uh, the years that I have been here have, have not all been easy. Some very challenging years, difficult years. The future, I, I can easily grow anxious about an uncertain tomorrow, but I have learned uh, that contentment is usually about focus, and the Lord has given us plenty of good things and great people upon which to focus. It has been a joy for us to see the Lord raising up uh, young families in this place. Uh, before I even decided to be a, continue being a pastor, you know, I, you know, you know me, I don't, I don't hear voices much, but I'm in the upper room at our house praying 
about what's to be next. And I, I, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to invest in young men that are starting their families. And uh, I didn't know what that meant when I came to North Park, but then after I came, God kept sending these young couples in. And we would start care groups with young couples, and after a year or so, pass them on and move on and do it again. I got to meet with some, some of the men and uh, these discipleship groups that I that I did, and now I, I, I look out, and, and those, those people are, you know, they have like teen kids now, right? They're, they're much older, but it's such a, such a grace and a blessing to look out and see young families, parents raising their kids to serve the Lord in their generation. It's been a joy to see the Lord assemble a, a tremendous staff of brothers and sisters who love Him, who love His church, who are gifted for their roles. It has been a joy to work with the elders of our church who love the Lord's Word and the Lord's church and have patiently endured and supported me. And my, my final reflection of my first 66 years is this. I have known God I've known God. No matter where I look in my life, no matter at what stage, this is the central reality for me by His grace. I know God. He is my friend, my shepherd, my father. As wonderful as my wife and children are, the preeminent relationship in my life has been with Him, and He has been there through it all, and He will be there forever. So John 17, 3, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus had to die to make that relationship possible and why he did, why he chose me to be involved in, to be involved in my poor life, to be my savior, my Lord, my friend, I cannot say, but because he has, I am a very, very rich and happy man. Life with God has been abundant and it will be forever. And I so much desire that for you. I desire that for these young people that we have honored today. I desire that for the 8-year-olds and for the 80-year-olds. That eternal life is offered to anyone who believes. And I ended my funeral message yesterday with the same verse that I had planned to end with today. Not a, not a strange verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Life. Real life. Of this I bear witness to the praise of God's glory. And you get to sing about that glory with me. The musicians probably need to start their trek up here so they can find a way to to get back into their places um, and as they do let's just go to the Lord Father we, we all have our story of your mercies in our lives we pray God that you would let us see your hand of kind providence directing us steering us and, and most of all Lord working within us to grant us faith, to grant us repentance to grant us vision for what life with you is all about. So Lord, I do pray that our witness to our children and grandchildren, to our friends and neighbors would testify of your reality and of your power and of your love 
and that many would be drawn to follow the Savior and join us as part of that eternal choir that gives you glory forever and ever. Amen.